0: Praise God. Well, I'm so glad you're here this morning. So glad you're tuned in. Is you ready, ready? We've been ministering this for four weeks and, or four sessions, and we're getting some mileage out of it. We're asking ourselves, saying, "Son, is you ready, ready?" And sometimes we come up a little short so we make the adjustments. So I want to lift up the Lord Jesus, who's always ready. He's uh, neither slumbers nor sleep. And I want to lift him up who speaks truth to us from heaven so that we can speak truth to the devil and hell. We are always ready with the Word of God. It's instant, in season, and out. So if you would, uh, with me this morning, turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. Is you ready? Ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8. Now, you might agree with me this morning that if you're ready is ready, and we'll have to kind of interpret ready, the word ready, but you know what that is. That means that you're ready, that you're, you're not behind, you're not lacking. But when you're ready is ready, you interpret life. Life has to be interpreted. You know, it just doesn't come. When you're rich, everything turns out well, and if you're poor, things don't turn out so well. That's not the facts at all. Uh, there's joy in the, in the struggle, and there's uh, heartache in the affluence, so it just doesn't really matter. There's healed people that are sad, and there's people that are challenged all over that are uh, happy as they can be. So it's all based on what's on the inside. Is you're ready, you ready. And in Romans chapter 8, I found this scripture. I love this scripture. And um, it says in verse 20, And we know, and we know that all things work together for good. That's all we need to know right there. We know, we know that all things work together for good. And then it goes on to say who that is, which is us. We love God and them that are the called according to his purpose. The word, therefore, work together. That's what I want to look at. And we know that all things work together. I looked it up in the Greek, and I was really surprised. The word, if I could say it, is synergio. I'm sure that's not right. I'm sure the Greeks would fall apart if they heard that. But it's the word that we get for synergy. All things work together for good. So, you know, when two things are put together, they're greater than the individual of each part. The sum of two things is greater than, the, than each part. So um, we know that the kingdom of God is not automatic, that the kingdom of God has to be navigated. Say navigated. It has to be maneuvered. It has to be worked out. It, It doesn't just come automatically, and things don't just work out. You know, well, people are just real interested in saying God's in control. He's not in control on the earth. Man's in control. That's why it's such a mess. And there's a real devil that we're not controlling, that we're not dominating, that we're not taking authority over. So naturally, he's nasty. Naturally, he's a mess. And he tears up all sorts of stuff. But here the word says that there's an exemption or there's a superseding that all things work together for good. There's a working out. So that implies there's a maneuvering, that there's a, there's a blueprint to follow to work it out. It didn't just come. It just doesn't happen. It's got to be worked out. That's why the Word says to pray. That's why the Word says to be patient. There's lots of things that help it work out. Um, In Proverbs chapter 29, don't, don't look there, but in verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We've been looking at that, where there is no vision, where there is no progressive revelation. So we're all having to work things out with progressive revelation. Like, well, I got revelation last month, that ought to be good enough. Well, working out means you're going to have to have another revelation for this next month. You cannot have success last year and say, that's what I'm going to do this year necessarily. Or look at somebody else and say, well, look at them, they're doing this and they're having success, I'll do what they're doing and I'll have success. Y'all know that's not the... Not the program at all. We looked at the word perish because it's so graphic. It's so colorful. It literally means they go backwards. So without a progressive revelation, without a vision, the people go backwards. You can't even hold your ground. It means that uh, they do without. So where does, where does stuff come from? It comes from our vision. Well, no, it comes from my job or it comes from my inheritance or it comes from um, Uncle Jack. No, it comes from vision. And so people that win the lottery or have a great inheritance without having a vision, they do without. It doesn't take long for them to to be on the bottom. It means they are set at naught, which is the word zero. It means they are refused and voided, and they are uncovered and made naked. We just don't like that one at all. So I said, because of that, I'm going to get a vision. I'm going to get some revelation in my life. I'm going to let the Lord work out things in my life. All things work together. I'm gonna. I'm gonna cooperate. I'm gonna submit, and I'm gonna agree, so that God can work it out in me for good. And you know, we've been we've hurt before, and we felt good before. Feeling good is better. We've been we've been fully supplied before, and we've been on the bottom and. Fully supplied is better, so we're wanting him to work out some things in our life, and we're going to cooperate. So here's here's my phrase for this morning, and I, I saw it in a Cracker Barrel, or no, I saw it, I saw it in a cafe in Rio dosa, New Mexico, and uh, it says, "If your dreams don't, uh, if your dreams don't give you pause, they're not big enough." Now let's just stop at that. If your dreams don't move you, then they're not big enough. It's something you can do, it's something I can do, it's something we could finagle, we could maneuver, we could work out, because it's got a natural solution. So how many of you've got a, don't answer, but how many of you got a dream that is staggering, that takes your breath, that just overwhelms you, and and that anybody you told it to would step back and look at you and say, not on your best day. Absolutely, that's the kind of dream God wants you to have because that's the kind of dream he's giving us. All things work together for good. Without a vision, the people perish. we got to have a vision, and it's got to move us. It's impossible. There's no way you can see the end of it. There's no end in sight. It's beyond your intellect, beyond your, uh, your scope of... Uh, of expectation the word says in Ephesians 3 20 about God it says he he moves in our life how exceeding abundantly above how much all that we could ask or imagine so that's gonna be a vision that's beyond your scope beyond what's normal what's beyond uh, the the human experience so uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 if you would well, let's talk about getting your ready, ready, and getting this vision so powerful that you can't maneuver it. It staggers you every time you think about it. First Corinthians, excuse me, Matthew twenty-five. I love this. This is a parable or a story, a a uh, a parallel that the Lord Jesus told about the kingdom of God and how it works. Because he says if you can understand these stories, you can understand the kingdom. And uh, here in chapter 25, around verse 14, I think, he talks about a man that had a uh, business and he had goods and he had to take a far journey. So it's speaking of the Lord Jesus, isn't it? I mean, it's got two parallels. It's speaking of him. He said he gave all that he had to his three servants, his bondmen. And he, he went away and he told them to do business while he was gone. Well, that's exactly what's happened with us, isn't it? And uh, so he came back and returned and there's an accounting, which there will be for us as well. And he said, what'd you do? And so the first one got up and said, I did well. And the second one said, I did well. But the third one said, I was afraid and I buried my gift, my talent, my stewardship. And, but in the first two, in verse 21, The first two that he was pleased with, it said, he said unto them, him, well done, thou good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. But then go down, it said, uh, verse 25, I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth, and Lord, lo, there thou hast, that is thine. So um, if we don't want to be the servant who buried his potential, say potential. potential. Point yourself with me and say, hey, you, hey, you. You, got you, got you got potential. Of course we do in the Lord. But potential's just like a battery. Battery can sit on the shelf for a long, long time and you would never experience its power. But if you plug it into a device... Well, then it's going to run it. It's going to energize it. It's going to turn the light on. It's going to make music, whatever it's, uh, the machine is. It's got potential. These lives don't have so much potential. They're just used. Uh, they don't have a power source unless you send one to them. So we have to get our potential out. And here's the key. The servant with ten, five talents, he had potential. The servant with two talents, he had potential. And the one that had one talent, he had potential. The first two used their potential. The last one did not. And after they traded, the one with five, and after the one traded, the one that had two, they had a testimony. Because obviously there was a challenge to going out and doing things that the master had done that they had never done, but they'd watched him do it. And so the lesson to that and there's many is that you gotta have a story I said you all we all have to have a story you have to have a testimony Uh, if you have no story then you have no future without a vision you're you're done you have no finances you have no relationship you have no health without a vision Everything is going one way and it's going down. So you have to have a story in order to have some glory. If we could rhyme a little bit. But basically, if you don't have a story, if you don't have a testimony, if you don't have something that says, this is what I faced, and the servant with five did face it. If you don't have a story and say, this is what I faced, and the man with two faced it, and he came out, they had a story and their answer was, well done. Well done, you've been easily persuaded to believe. You went in there and took the challenge, took your potential and you exercised it under a reward. Now you have, your potential has turned, you have a future. And obviously he promoted these two guys. But the one that did not use his potential, that would not get a story, he had no glory. And he kicked him out and, and took away what he had and gave it to the one that had five talents. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, so that right there brings up 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Y'all okay this morning? Yes. I know I've got this microphone, but I'm doing the best I can with it. Praise <laughs> God. Now, here's an interesting scripture that's buffaloed a lot of people over the ages and has really lent sometimes to a wrong interpretation and a, and a rendering of the kingdom of God that's not correct. It says in verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common demand. I'm telling you, that's good news. You don't have anything that the Lord Jesus didn't take care of coming against you. Nothing's in your life saying, I'm the only one that's ever bore this. This is special punishment from from heaven, or this is a, a, a penalty from hell. There hath no temptation, no trial taken you, but such is as common to man. But God is faithful. Let's say that together. But God is faithful. Now, he follows. There's no temptation taken you with but God is faithful. So this is the reason that there's no temptation taken you that cannot be overcome. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above, all, above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may able, be able to bear it. That's a great comfort to some people. But like we've already said, all of life has to be navigated. It has to be worked out. This is not a scripture that just says, "Well, I got born again, and now the devil can't touch me, and uh, everything's just going to work out fine." It's got to be navigated. You got to have maneuver. You got to maneuver it. You're going to have to work the Word of God into your life and have victory. Uh, the word temptation there. I don't know if you write in your Bible. You ought to. We can get you one that you can write in if you need one. Uh, you ought to write in your Bible. It's a, it's a very present help in time of trouble, I can tell you, to have notes uh, from a message you heard or a, a, uh, from studying something to write in your Bible. It was meant to be. After all, every translation that we have is somebody just writing in their Bible and coming up with a whole, and then just just using the notes. Uh, the word there for temptation is the word trouble or trial. So if we read it there, there hath no trouble taken you, but such is common demand. Now, that makes sense. We sometimes think that God, from this, that God tempted. But in James, he said he tempts no man. Temptation does not come from heaven. He's not trying to find out what you're made of. He knows. I said he's (laughs) well-informed. Hallelujah. So it says that will not suffer you. Now, I looked that word up, suffer you, and it means will not leave you alone. So let's plug that in. There's no trouble taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not leave you alone to be tempted above what you are able. Will not leave you alone. It doesn't mean that there's some factor in your life that says, well, I'm weak, and so there's nothing going to touch me that's, that's strong or hard. Do you, know, do you know immature Christians, baby Christians, that have faced cancer or face divorce, or face some big trial in their life, and it absolutely washed them out to sea. They didn't do well at all. Matter of fact, you'll find strong Christians facing things that are no different than what weak Christians face. But you'd think from this scripture that God is going to have a system of, uh, of trial or trouble that can come to you based on how mature you are. But it says also that God will not leave you alone. It also, that word says, he will will not let you be, he will not leave you alone. Now that implies that there's another step or an additional turn there that has to be made. When trouble, when trial or tribulation comes, you got to have an answer. And God says, your answer is, I will not leave you alone. It doesn't mean that you got some magic shield that you're going to hold up and say this is the little weak Christian shield and God won't let this devil put anything mean on me. Sure he will because he has no power over not letting the devil come. But he does have power and he gives it to us to keep it from hurting us. All, All things work together for good for those that love God and are the called. In other words, it's something to do with the believer that's able to make things all work together for good. It's not just God saying, I pick you and you and not you to have a good life. But you over here, I've never liked you. And so you're just going to have to do the best you can. <laughs> so, amen. So, um, going on in this verse, that will not leave you alone to be tried above that which you are able. Um, the word able there is interesting. It's the word, "do not." let me get it right, duname. Of course, I butchered that, but it's the word from dunamis, which we know means power. So let's plug that in. Not be tried or not be uh, tested above that which ye are empowered. But with the trial, the temptation, also make a way to escape. The word escape there means simply to exit or to get out of it. So he's saying here that there's no temptation or trial coming to you and me, that there isn't a corresponding power that will turn it back. But we have to take the power and turn it back. He's saying there's nothing that the devil can send that I haven't sent greater to defend you. Are y'all getting this? So, but it's like, well, God, you said it wouldn't come and if it's more than I could handle, more than the Word can handle, more than the power of God in us can handle. That would be correct. So who's got to access the power? I do. I have to, you know, well, God just send the power. He doesn't just send the power. He's already sent the power. Where is it? It's in me. Greater is he that is in me than he <laughs> That is the tempter, the trier, the troublemaker. It, the power's all ready in. Does that mean that you just like a, a, a pinball machine, you just deflect every ball that comes in your, in your uh, next to that uh, jumper? Not at all. We have to speak to it. We have to resist. We have to stand fast in the liberty. But we can, and it'll render it impotent and powerless. So with the trial, also make a way to escape it, that you, that ye may be able to bear it. The word bear it there means bear it. (laughs) I, I looked it up and it means, yeah. It just means you can handle it. We don't like it. I don't like gnats. I don't like mosquitoes. They are especially fond of me, but we do not reciprocate. I don't like these bugs. And that's what keeps me from going up north sometimes is because up north they have lots of mosquitoes and lots of bugs. Alaska is full of mosquitoes. It's the state bird, actually, I think. I don't like them, but that's what he's saying here, that you may be able to bear it. It's like a gnat or a mosquito. It's buzzing around all the time, but it's not serious. It's just an aggravation. The trials of this world to you and me are just an aggravation. They come until it's unprofitable for them to return. When you make the devil pay for what he sends to you, he quits being unprofitable. He wants this stuff to work against your life. So the New Living Translation says this. When you are tempted, listen, listen, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Not survive, but endure. There is a difference. New Living, when you are tempted... He will show you a way out. Wow. So there's the corresponding reaction from heaven. When the devil comes into your life, we just turn on our potential. We got power inside. We just turn it on and say, which way should I maneuver, Lord? He said, well, bind that one and, uh, and walk in love with This trouble, this this trial, this is a a saint, this is a person. Don't don't bury them, just walk in love. But this one, take authority over it. It's full of the devil. Or whatever, whatever, whatever. There's a maneuvering, there's a strategy, there's an answer for every trouble that is common to man. So I like to say it this way there's always a way to win. There's always, Michael, there's always a way to win. Well, this one looks tough. This one looks like uh, nobody's ever had this one before. No, they have. They have. It's come before. It'll come again. It's common to man. But everything that's coming is common to man, and there's an answer for every single thing. So all things work together for good in my life and in your life. Could we say that? Could we say by faith? Because there's always a power to meet every trouble, all things work together for good. To me, to me and to me right now, and to me all the time. All things work together for good. But there's a working, there's a working, there's a working, there's a resisting, there's a standing and having done all to stand, stand therefore. There's a speak to the mountain, there's a working to get out of it and to dominate it. Sometimes Galatians says, don't be weary in well-doing, don't quit halfway don't quit before you get the victory. You gotta get to the end of it. You gotta win on the winning side instead of saying, I'm so tired, the Lord's just gonna have to carry it. Well, he already is carrying it. He's in you, greater. But you gotta walk it out with him. Amen. The the passion translation, y'all knew that was coming, didn't you? It says, For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. Now, I do like this. Let me read it again. For along with every trial, God God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. I like that. So, back to the subject. Is your ready ready? Have you ever been knocked down like a bowling pin that you didn't see that one coming? And it's just like it just rolled right over you, and you never saw it, and it was devastating. It took a cost on your life. It was tough. It was tough. And sometimes people don't recover, but it didn't mean they didn't have potential to recover. But then other times, we see it a long ways off, and we prepare for it. We get ready for it, and when it comes, it just slides around us like a rock in a stream. The water just goes around. The trouble just goes around so we can be ready. I need to get my ready ready. I need to not be surprised or amazed that trouble is coming. What did the Lord Jesus say in John 16? In the world, you will, you will have tribulation. And if you ended there, you'd say, this is, this is woeful, but be of good cheer, be happy, get excited, because I've overcome, I've overcome. Well, where are you, Lord? I'm in you, greater is he that is in you. Access me, maneuver, and strategize yourself out of this. So we're not trying to, to get Jesus to help us endure. We are dominating. I'm going to read that one again. For, along with every trial, God has provided for us a way of escape that will bring us out of it victoriously. Not a victim, not enduring, I mean, excuse me, not surviving, but victorious. Well, how long will it take? As long as it takes. But you got to go to the end. Don't be weary in well-doing, for you'll reap if you don't faint, if you don't give up the word says. I want us to turn to 1 John. And I want to read some scriptures that talks about the kingdom of God and our approach or our posture concerning the kingdom. If if you navigate the kingdom according to how you think it should be or how what you think is right, then you might be contrary to what the Word says, and you will not have good success. There is no E for effort. There's just an A for obedience, for compliance, for submitting, for cooperating, for agreement. So we got to find out how he's already done it. You cannot take a basketball to a baseball game. It's just not going to fit. You just cannot take a football to hockey. It just won't fit. And you go, well, what's that all about? I brought stuff that's legal and right, but it's the wrong context. You gotta go with the rules that are set for that event. And that's what we gotta do as Christians. I, I talk to people all the time that it's like, well, I just don't think that's that's right. Well, here it is in the word. Well, I just don't think that's right. In other words, they don't think that's fair. It might not be in your eyes, but that's the way it is. And we gotta get in here the way it is. Now I want I want you to look at some words with me. In in first John chapter two, look in verse 13. I want us to find a common word here in these verses. And I want you to understand how the kingdom is set up. He said, I wrote, I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the father. I want you to look at that second category there. He said, because ye have overcome the wicked one. There's, there's a commendation, there's a reward for overcoming. Not for engaging, but for overcoming. It is valiant to fight. It is to fight the, the, the fight, but the good fight is the fight that you win. So we have to win. Well, I've been struggling for years. Well, you're using the wrong weapon. This is a baseball game. That... That uh, football is not getting you any scores. You keep running to the outfield f- field and holding up your hands, but we run around the bases in this game, and you can't score unless you run around the bases. And you go, I don't think that's right. I, all I have is a football. Well, there's plenty of things for you to get from the Word of God that'll have you minister, play, and engage lawfully. Look in 1 John 2, 3, uh, 4, 4. You're right there. Slip over to 4 4. Ye are of God. These are very direct uh, statements. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have overcome them. Let's look in uh, chapter 5, verse 4. Stay with me, for whatsoever is born of God, say with me, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So if you had faith back last year, back at 18 or 19 now, and you had a victory and you want to step up to a challenge, a test, a trial, that's come on in this year and you want to rest on the laurels of what you did last year. Well, the devil ran for me in 19. Boy, I put him on the run. Well, he's back. He's back. And you can't just point to that and say, you know, I ought to get a pass because I did so well then. You got to fight the fight of faith again. But why? Because we're born of God. We got fighter in us. We got overcoming in us. It's not something we have to go and get. It's in us. Greater is he that is in us. Mm-hmm. Amen. Let's look in, uh, look in Revelation. Let's, you're right there. It's just around the corner. Revelation chapter 2. Let's look in verse 7. 2 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Well, I'm tuned in all of a sudden, aren't you? To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life. There's some overcoming there. Not just fighting, not being... Losing in the fight or even winning in the fight, but ending the fight by overcoming. If you'll look back, we've been in lots of fights. Some of them came back right away because we didn't end the fight. We just had a little draw. We just uh, maybe had to backslide a little and disengage. We quit fighting for something that was precious and just said, I, I'm not paying that price for that. And you back out. But you know you got to overcome to get back in the fight and to win that. Look in chapter 2, verse 7. It says, He that hath an ear, excuse me, not 7. We're looking in verse 11. Pardon me. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. you all see that word? Overcometh. Look in verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. He that overcometh I will give. Verse 26. And he that overcometh and keepeth my words unto the end, To him I give power over the nations, he that overcometh. Not just he that's in the fight, not he that has been in a fight, but he that overcometh. That's why we have to win, not just in the legal sense, because we're in him and he won. We have to win in our own faith. We have to end it. Let me talk to you. You have to end it. Whatever you're facing, whatever your battle, it's common demand. It's been whipped before. You're not facing something that's never been whipped. I'm facing the, the mother of all trials. Well, it may be, but a whole bunch of people have already done it. There's nothing new under the sun. Well, I don't have as much power as John G. Lake or Smith Wigglesworth. Sure you do. They don't have any more, They didn't have any more potential than you do right now. They just engaged it. All things work together for good. They just never let go of that. They never let go. I win. Keith Moore, I love what he says. He says, when the devil has his heel on your neck, say, I'm winning. <laughs> I'm winning. When, it's, when the old Billy has come and whooped you and put you under the, the chair, I'm winning. Amen. Because that's the only way you can overcome. Look in chapter 3. Look in verse 5. Y'all see the pattern here. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. We're not looking here for what the part that says I will and I will do. We're looking for the part that qualifies And that is overcoming. Look in verse uh, 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more, and I will write upon him that name of my God. And it goes on there. The point is, him that overcometh. There's a pattern in the Word of God about what puts you in a place of winning every battle, is that you don't... You don't give up on any. If I'm in the fight, I'm in the fight to win. Don't y'all love that about our president right now? He says, if we engage anybody, we're going to whoop them. We're not coming home halfway saying, that's a toughie. The word even talks about who goes to battle with 10,000 that he doesn't first go and see if that his enemy has 20,000 and engage in terms of peace. He said, you got to know what you got. Well, the Christian church has not known what we had. We've just thought that if we engaged or if we defended from an attacker, that we were doing well. We're all defending from an attacker, but we have to get on the offensive, and we got to end it. We got to end chronic pain in our bodies. We got to end it. You got to overcome that. It's like, well, I can endure it if I put enough of this in and turn my leg just this way or whatever. Yay. Get, get what you have, but you got to end it. you got to end it. If you want it to go away, you have to end it. You have to overcome it. Finances. Well, you know, we, we got a little bit. We talked about Wednesday night about what the tithe does, what the Bible says the tithe does. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. Well, I don't have that. Well, we got to overcome it. We've got to overcome dearth, shortage, lack, and ill timing. Where we get it, but not on time. You know, my my check was two weeks wait, it's late, so now I'm behind on my house payment. We got to end that. It's not just enough to have enough; you got to have it on time. Let's look in verse. Let's see, chapter three, verse uh, twelve. No, we already looked at that one. Let's look in verse twenty-one then. If y'all didn't like, if y'all like that one, you'll like this one. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne? Now, this is getting pretty good. This is getting pretty. To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne? I tell you, this overcoming can't be overrated. This is powerful. This is amazing. This is the key to many things. Many times in faith, we talk about speak to the mountain and and State of the Mountain, and, and all the elements of warfare. But sometimes we don't talk about, and you just, you just stay there. You just outlast. You just persevere. You stay until you quit. Well, how long do I have to stay? Until you overcome. We're in a medical society right now where you don't have to overcome. You can just go and get a procedure or get a Pill or whatever, and you can be a victim, but you don't have to overcome. You can engage, but you can have a standoff where you just, you just both say, I'll give a little quarter, and you endure. But I'm through with that. I'm ending some stuff. I'm ending it in Jesus' name. In chapter uh, 21, let's look in verse 7. Now, I read you some verses in 1 John, so it's not just like this is some cryptic thing that's in Revelation. It says, He that overcometh, verse 7, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So, overcoming, overcoming, stay until you win, overcoming. Look in chapter 12 of Revelation, look in verse 11. So, we got to know how to overcome. Y'all want to know how to overcome? I will tell you a little principle that's a worldly principle. Uh, Victory begats victory. If you ever win at something, a lot of elements come into your life of uh, confidence that I can do this again. I believe I'll engage something tougher, higher, further out. Because if I could do this, maybe I can do that. It elevates everything when you win. You win at little battles, it doesn't matter that they're little, you won. And on the other hand, if you lose, it makes you not want to engage anything. It's like, I'm going to step back. I I took a whipping and I can't take that again. So we have to win. We have to win little battles. We have to win medium battles. We have to win every battle. I'm little and I'm afraid. Well, you just don't know who you are. You just don't know what's in you. You just don't know what he's already given us and you got to learn. Now, how do we overcome? Here it is in chapter 12, verse 11. Oh, you like this verse. It says in, that, let's read it together, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Now, the word testimony there is covenant. So, Covenant just says I am who I am because I'm in covenant with who he is, that he says he is. So I'm somebody not based on what I've done. I'm somebody based on what he did that he gave to me, that he gave to you. So I win by the word of my testimony. Victory begats or has children of victory. And I win because I have one. I have one, and he gives I say, if I can win that one, I can win anything. So I heard Billy Brim say this many, many years ago. She said, if you'll make much of the blood, the blood will make much of you. We're we're real mindful here at River Church to sing songs about the blood and talk about the blood and don't let the blood get away from us. Even though it's, it's not in the faith jargon, it's not, we need to talk about the blood it's the blood that wins everything. He said they overcame them by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I'm going to make much of the blood. I thank you, Lord, for the blood this morning. We plead the blood of Jesus over our minds, over our futures, over our families, over the precious things, the calling of God on each one of our lives. We make much of the blood. We say, Lord, it's the blood that set us free. It's the blood that gave us victory. It's the blood that translated us out of darkness. It's the blood, Lord, that overcomes. Well, Lord, we put on the blood today. And we stand in that blood and we will not run out. In Jesus' name. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Well, it says that they overcame him, them, them by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, Let me get that. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, of their covenant. So, we got to talk. You got to talk. Some of y'all don't talk much. And we don't care if you talk much to us. But when you get in your closet and nobody's around, you got to talk. You got to tell the devil, I'm in charge of you. There's a new sheriff in town, so to speak. (laughs) And uh, we're not taking any of this stuff we've taken. You're going down. Some people are afraid to do that because they say, well, I don't want to talk that way. He might get real mean. If he could kill you, he would have already. I can tell you for sure if he could have killed me, he would have already killed me. And you need to think no less of yourself than that. If he could have killed you because of your testimony of, excuse me, of the blood of the lamb, he would have. He has tried. You just have no idea how many times the angels have lifted you up with their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. He has saved us over. He's he's put a protective uh, uh, bubble around our children. Because you can't be with them all the, all the time. I don't even agree with those helicopter moms that just hover because, you know, I got to be with them in case something happens. Oh, come on, baby. Get some faith. Get... Turn the angels loose on your sugars because you might be in the way when trouble comes and, and cause the trouble. I'm not saying you would, but just let them go. Be diligent, be a good parent, but let those babies go. God has got a good track record for taking care of babies. He, well, look at, look at that. We all raise some. Think about how daunting that is that we all raise some sugars. Ah, ah, that's amazing to me. How did David win with uh, Goliath? How did he win? What was his secret? Think back. He he won by his testimony. He beat the bear and he whipped the lion. Was it a lion? Yeah, lion and a bear. He couldn't have gone to Goliath except he first had that. So let me tell you this morning, you're going to have to overcome if you want to go further than what you are right now. You're going to have to overcome not to even be set back. Because the unprofitable servant in Matthew 25, even that which he had was taken away. So you can't even hold your ground until you overcome, unless you overcome. So overcoming is the key. Well, what can we overcome? Everything. What should we overcome? Everything that's little in front of us. You need to clean house. You need to dust out your closets. You need to get under the sofa and sweep those dust bunnies out, so to speak. We got to get the little stuff, the nagging stuff, the the piddly stuff, the detailed stuff. We need to dominate them. Say dominate. Dominate, dominate is the word. We dominate them. You got to. You. I remember Martin Brzezicki saying when he first got first got into faith. He's a, he's a Faith preacher, he, was, he lived with Brother Hagen for a while when they were first starting out. And he said, I don't know what to believe for. So he asked God, he spoke to, to his situation in God, and he said, I'm believing you for a pair of socks. And nobody knew about his socks. And who, who was going to send a pair of socks? It took a little bit, but he got a pair of socks in the mail. It was kind of those, I don't know why I'm sending these, but here they are. Well, once he got the pair of socks... He dominated everything in his life after that. You think socks aren't important? They are if you've asked for them and if you need a victory to overcome with them. So what have you got in your life? You need to rehearse your testimonies. Y'all got any testimonies? We are full of testimonies. Not always that we uh, were lifted out of a fiery crash and didn't have any burns or something like that. But we all have testimonies and they're all important. And the best thing about a testimony is that God is saying in your testimony, I want to do it again, and I want to do it better. So you've got to rehearse him. Lord, I remember when we didn't have anything. I was there one time. We didn't have any groceries in the house, and we went home from church. From church, I was pastoring, and we, we went across the street to our little car because we'd given our car up for the kingdom, traded in our beautiful, might I say, idolatrous <laughs> suburban. Oh, I was in love with that car. If you could ever be in love with a car, she was like a mistress to me in a way. I I just love that. It's the nicest big. Yes. And we sold it because we had equity in it. And we bought this little Cavalier, a Chevrolet Cavalier. It'd been wrecked and they'd repainted it and the paint was coming off. So, a long story, very long story, a little shorter, is that we went across there to get in our Cavalier and it was full of groceries. And it's like, this is a victory. Because we didn't tell anybody about our situation you've got victories you've got testimonies and you need to write them down if you don't have this thing burning in you simmering in you hot in you you need to go and write it down and when you write them down you'll say this is how i overcome this is how i overcame this and this is how i got on top of that it was tough then and then remember how tough it was Remember how hopeless it was. Remember how overwhelming it was. And then you can say, but God. But the Word. But, but the power of God. The blood took me to a place I couldn't... We've all got them, but we've forgotten them. We've gotten numb to them. One reason is, is because we got used to living in the supernatural. And we just think that's natural, which is what we're supposed to be. But sometimes we think, well, God couldn't do nothing for me. That would be wrong. Dominate, I like that word. Conquer, I like that word. Overcome, I like that word. I conquer. What do I conquer? Everything that's in my life. I'm not trying to conquer what's in your life, I just want to conquer what's in my life. I got situations, I got challenges. Everybody does. How do I have, why do I know I have challenges? Because I have a dream, I have a vision that overwhelms me in my natural senses. It gives me pause when I think about what God has told me and showed me that we're going to do and have and be. There's no way. There's no path to that. Do you have a vision where there's no path to it? Well, we'll just walk down this. We think this will go there. Nope, there's no even path to what I got going. Do you have a vision like that? You ought to. If you don't, you're wrong. It's too, your, your life is too little if you don't have a vision that just casts a big shadow over your frailties, your weaknesses, and your past. So you're going to need help. Say, I need help. I need help. Now, this is the truth. All of us have a vision that's bigger than us. Sometimes it's not as big as the Lord wants it because we've kind of cut it off, but there's a vision inside of you that says, well, if they just turn me loose, this is what I'd do. This is what I'd have. This is what I'd be for the glory of God. You're going to need help. What does the Bible say about help? It says two is better than one. The reason I've been able to get where I am, and that's, that's not saying I've gotten anywhere in the worldly sense, but I'm, I'm strong. I'm encouraged. There's, there's no wimpy in me. I'm not afraid of anything. And you go, how did you get that? Well, it's not because I have a whole string of, of worldly testimonies. But I've been down some places where nobody thought I should be able to go, and the reason is, is I've always had help. I've had somebody. You need somebody. Point to yourself and say, "Hey, you, you need somebody." Now, if you're married, that's the first place you go is to get your married partner, your your uh, your spouse. You get them and you say, "Okay." You've been going your way a little and I've been going my way and we got a dream over here and a vision over there and a plan over here and we're kind of working together, but we're actually just working separately and moving in the same direction. you got to stop that nonsense. Nobody's more important. Nobody's like, well, I, I married you, but I'm important and I have my own dream. You sure do, but it's not apart from theirs. There's things that we all have in our life that we, we have that's just us. But there's nothing that's worthy that's not with them. But if you're not married, and there's lots of folks that aren't, you gotta find somebody. Now, I've always been married, it seems like. I think it was at seven I got married, or six. it was way back there anyway. And I'm 106 now, so you can tell I've been married a long time. So uh, that's always worked. But even then, even then, there's times where you gotta have somebody else. You need a friend. Get a friend. Friends are lots of work. They're more trouble than you can imagine. They, uh, to cultivate them or to keep them going like a garden, you got to go weed them every once in a while. You got to go water them every once in a while. You got to walk through them and and deadhead them and pick off the, the bugs. They're lots of work. Lord, I got plenty on my own plate without working on somebody else. You have a limited life if you're by yourself. I'm just telling you how it works. Do what you will, but if you want to overcome, you've got to have somebody that's your one-to-one. It's like we're pulling together. I, you know, I have, I've had some friends that have helped me over the years, and it's like, uh, I'm in trouble. Would you come over here? Well, we're not in relationship. Well, that won't work, so you have to what? You have to get relationships going in the Good times. You Got to make friends in the good times. Are they work? Did I say that there are lots of work? They're, and I'm not talking about buddy-buddy that we, we go partying together. We, I'm talking about friends that are spiritual friends. I'm just going to step out there. The Bible says that two is better than one. It also says that two can put how many to flight? Ten thousand. So one can put 1,000, two can put 10,000. There's a five-fold exponential there because you got two people that could each put 1,000, so that's 2,000. 10 would be five times that. So automatically, when you hook up with someone in a vision, in agreement, and cooperate, you have a five-fold exponential. That's powerful. You got to have five lifetimes to do that on your own. You can just hook up with somebody. And you become one. Relationships are an investment in your future, and God wants you to have relationships. He does not like these lone rangers. I don't say he doesn't like, but I'm saying he can't do much with them. So I say, I say, this is just what I say, that he's already got someone picked out for you, but you just hadn't opened the door on that side of the house. If you'd open that door on that side of the house, you'd see, well, God, here's somebody or here's something or here's an avenue. The one thing that's powerful about all of us is that we're in church and we have a church family and I could call you and you could call me. We could call each other and we're instant. We might not really know the situation or we might not really know the challenge, but we just lay down everything that we had and said, I'm in. Are y'all with me? Y'all act like, I don't know everybody in here. Sure you do. <laughs> We're practically eating dinner with you every night. Hallelujah. Uh, can I borrow your car? Well, sure. <laughs> uh, that's how that works. Uh, uh, I had a man in my church in West Texas, and when I wanted to come to Alabama and look, uh, look over the land, I just said, hey, can I borrow your Suburban? What could he say? <laughs> huh. So... Everybody has to have their own help, and you've got to find somebody that you can. You need to strengthen your marriage and talk about things about what is our vision together because God has put two people together to give you a vision. If you don't have a, a spouse, then you've got to ask God, where is my friend? Where is my agreement partner? Where is my two? I know this is tricky. I know this is not plain. But I'm telling you, it'll help you. Um, I say that God needs a partner in our lives. I've always said this, that when he wants to talk to us, and we're only thinking about how only we think, he needs somebody in your life that he can send to you and say, and straighten you up and shake you. I remember I went through a time in my life where I actually said to this person, Uh, It was a man, and I said, listen, I'm by myself right now. I'm going to tell you everything I'm thinking. I'm going to tell you everything I'm planning. I'm going to tell you everything that's going on, how I'm doing. And if you hear anything wonky, weird, not Godward, not going down the right path, that I'm not thinking right, would you intervene? Would you bust into my life? Would you be a little rude to me and say, that is nuts, guy. That is weird. That is off the charts. And I promise you, it won't hurt you. I'll change. I'll adjust. It changed my life. It got me through. It got me on the other side. It's so powerful. And I just, I'm thanking God for that because it's a God thing. Uh, My friends that I, all my friends, I met them in the most weird spots, like just in church, just, hey, how are you doing and everything. And all of a sudden, the Lord just took over. So I would, uh, I would, I'd get strong in that marriage, in that area because the time is getting short to overcome. I'd take chronic, I'd take something that's a chronic, that means an ongoing challenge in your body or in your mind or in your finances, something that's chronic that always circles around and comes back. You get rid of it, you put it on the run, but here that straight dog comes again and comes back around. I would, I would work on that and say this has got to go I overcome this by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. you got to go. If you have trouble with your money, you can't ever accumulate it. Uh, I've talked to some, uh, uh, two men that just say, we're doing good, but we never have any money. Do you all know that's a bad confession? But it was the truth. And that's chronic. I would change that if I was in business. Amen. The Lord told me before the service started, or right as it was starting, He said, uh, I want you, and I assume when He says me, He's talking to us. Might not be, but I think so this time. I want you to discern your season, and I want you to be in place for each season. Discern what season you're in, and then discern or be in place for every season. You know you've got to get out your warm clothes when winter comes. You can't be, well, I, unless you're at the University of Alabama, then you can wear shorts and flip-flops and tank tops all year round. <laughs> and so I have observed. But for regular folks, that people that are real, you gotta, you got to break out that sweater. you got to break out them long britches. you got to break out that long-sleeve stuff. And so, because you discern the season that you're in. And then you go back when summer comes and change back. He said, discern your season. What season are you in? I've told you several times about the the little woman that had uh, two little babies, little children, and she's wanting to go to the mission, mission field. And we told her, baby, it's not your season. This is not your season. It's coming. Cultivate it. Speak over it. Believe God. Get it ready. But right now, that's not your season. Well, we all have a season. Don't get stuck in the last season. I'm in a different season than I used to be. I'm not 50 anymore. When I was in 50, I was in a season... Because of a lot of things, but I'm not in that season anymore. I'm 67, yeah. Older than I've ever been. And I'm just saying that to say I'm in a new season. I can do things now that I couldn't do before. And some stuff I had to I had to put my motorcycle up for sale. That's I'm not in that season. I don't care if you're 85 and riding motorcycle, but I'm not. Amen. And you've got to discern then he told me this is number two, be ready for promotion. I said, amen. How about you? Promotion is here. The master's coming back, or he has come back, as it were, by the Holy Ghost for this season. And he said, well done. He has said, well done to you, Joey. He said, well done to you, Barry. He said, well done to you, Justin. There's well done all over us. You wouldn't be in this congregation if you didn't have well done it's not easy to stay here in the sense of you just want to slack so promotion's on us so anybody in here want to receive theirs with me i'm receiving promotion this means that your job is going to be easier not just more money but easier there's a wisdom coming on you for your job for your employment where this stuff just becomes easy i'll tell you in my ministry in ministering the word and, and, and studying and all that, so I have stepped over into something where I have more and do less to get it than ever before. I, I've just, I don't know if you can tell, but it's just wonderful for me. Well, that's what's coming on your life. Uh, be ready for promotion. In other words, prepare for promotion. You have to make a place for it. So when opportunity comes up, you've got to say, this would fit well with my promotion. Amen. And uh, I have two word of wisdoms here I got. And uh, one of them, it's for us in here or on broadcast. Um, The Lord said he was restoring a memory situation. And I don't know if that's like the fugitive program years ago where he he didn't remember who he was or what all that. But all of us need better memory or increased memory But I'm telling you, he was speaking specifically to someone saying saying to someone, I want to overcome this deficit. That's me. I want to overcome a memory deficit. I am unwilling to lose my memory. How about you? So, Lord, I receive my memory restored and strong in Jesus' name. I refuse all age-related memory deficits and challenges in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And the second thing that he told me was he was going to restore, a, uh, he was going to restore jobs that had been un- unrighteously taken away or demoted. Uh, he was going to restore and upgrade by righteousness jobs. So if you're supposed to be, for instance, if you're a woman and you're, you're not making as much as the man next to you, that's unrighteous. And he's restoring that and upgrading that. Or if you've been, whatever your situation, I don't even want to be able to to address it. You do it. Unrighteous demotion or loss or, or something to do where you are unrighteously taken out because someone had a bent on you, someone had power over you, and they did it. The Lord said, I'm restoring that. I'm restoring that. And so get ready for restoration. Jobs our occupation, our careers, whatever you call it, restored by the Holy Ghost by righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, thank you for tuning in this morning. We appreciate you coming into River Church talking about is your ready, ready. Get you ready, ready, you'll need it. Amen, amen.